Good morning. My name is Ron Ziegler. I'm a teaching elder here in the Susquehanna Valley Presbytery. And uh, I've been called by our Domestic Missions Board Ministry to North America to serve in a unique ministry within the PCA as well as within our state capital called Ministry to State. I am officially listed as the state capital minister here in Pennsylvania and working in Harrisburg and around the state. Our mission statement is ministering to those serving in our civil government. Our motto is people, not politics. And we have a rather unique ministry of those Christian ministries that are there in Harrisburg because we're there for the individuals that are serving in our General Assembly, their staff, and others that work within the Capitol. We're there to be a friend, to be a witness, to be someone that is a safe place, a place of confidence, confidentiality, a place where we're not asking for anything from them, we're not looking for their vote, we're not looking for their particular way on a piece of legislation or such. We are there to care for them. And uh, there's some information out there, uh, a small table with things about MTS. If you'd like to get on our mailing list, you can sign up for that. Um, and then sometime later, I've been told I'll be invited back to give a fuller rendition of what ministry to state is and entertain questions and such. But for now, <clears throat> it's a real pleasure to be here this morning to bring God's word. Um, and uh, would you join me as we are able and can stand to hear the reading of God's word taken from Matthew 25, verses 14 to 30, sharing in the master's happiness. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents, and here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. In enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered, where I have scattered no seed. 
Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Here ends the reading of God's word. Please be seated. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your wonderful word that truly is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Please speak to us today through your spirit. Guide and direct us in what is right and good. Strengthen us as your people. And use us as we would leave here refreshed and nourished, ever reminded of that which you have revealed to us of yourself and of the calling that you have enjoined us to participate with you in. We ask and praise you and thank you in the lovely name of Jesus. Amen. As we travel through this parable today, please ask God to help you to take a thoughtful look at your life and all that is in it. By the power of the Holy Spirit, consider taking a personal inventory of your precious life, gifted to you by God for your blessing, as well as for the benefit of the body of Christ, and ultimately for the honor and glory of God in Jesus Christ to the furthering of his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Just in this congregation, we have all kinds of talents, gifts, abilities, and a whole host of assets. We could likely take a lifetime to inventory all that is possessed just by this group. Remember, we are talking about everything we have, everything we are, and everything that we can do. Because all of it is a gift from God to be used for his glorious purposes. We think about that for a moment. That God has enjoined us in his great, grand demonstration to show forth his glory, to bring his children unto himself, to proclaim to a hurting, weak, and troubled world the true good news and reality of Christ. The talents described in this parable are of exceedingly great value, consistent with the servant's entire life's valuables and more. Some commentators described it as maybe 10 million in current value, 10 million, 5 million, and 1 million dollars. These are lifetime accomplishments. And God has described for us in this parable of giving of a master to his servants enormous talents and treasures. We have before us Jesus' teaching on what life is truly about now as we await his sure return in glory and about what matters for us all in the future. It is a teaching designed to motivate those who belong to God in Jesus Christ through his gracious gift of faith and are now seeking day by day to obediently live for their master's glory and enjoy his happiness, to experience that joy of living for his glory 
not our own. This is not a passage about how to gain salvation, fellowship, and peace with God in Jesus Christ, but it is about showing how we can properly and lovingly live out our cherished relationship of salvation and peace with God in our everyday lives. Those who know God in Jesus Christ by his gracious gift of faith are his loving servant disciples, like those mentioned in this parable, with a variety of talents according to our abilities, or in other words, according to what God is pleased to give us, according to our abilities. For some, or maybe even all of us, this phrase might sting or hurt a little when we first hear it. Maybe this is true because too often we want what we think we need, and we are not satisfied unless we get it. We have our own ideas of what we think we should have. For me, one of the things that I really wanted to be able to do was to sing well. I admired and looked up to those that had that gift and had that ability. I so enjoy music, but it is more of a foreign language to me and understanding all of the nuances. And it's not an answer to prayer that God has ever given, but it is a really delight at times when I've been at other church services and someone turns around at the end of the service and says, I really enjoyed your singing. And most of the time I think it's because I sing louder and they, they heard it. But it, it was one of those things that maybe you might have something in your life that you've really wanted and God hasn't provided. But what I believe we can take from this passage is that whatever God has provided for you is useful in his hands for his glory, for building up of his church, for furthering his kingdom, and for bringing glory to his great name. You are useful, however you are, in his hands. Jesus offers to each of us today in this passage a reality check in that we who have been given the gift of new life in Jesus Christ and peace with God by his wonderful gift of faith, can be truly satisfied and even rejoice with thanksgiving no matter what are our circumstances, no matter what are our abilities, and no matter what talents God has been pleased to provide. When we are in Christ, we are useful for the glory of God as we proceed by faith, no matter how many talents we have. The key for each of us in Christ's care through the power of his spirit is to use all we have the best we can out of love for God and unto his glory in thankful obedience. We are useful in his hands. The two that were willing to use the talents that the master had given to them were both praised, not for the amount but for their use, for the glory and benefit of the master. This parable provides a contrast between what it means to live for one's master with joy, love, and devotion versus what it looks like for one to live for himself alone, defying his master and living contrary to his master's clear instructions, using the talents or burying them. For those who are yet united with God and Jesus Christ, it is also a parable to warn those who do not honor God and do not strive to live all of life for his glory. 
It is a warning about the eternal judgment to come, and in so doing, this warning God may use in his mercy to bring new life to some through the message of this passage. The Apostle Paul understood well the teaching of this parable. God had thoroughly worked on him and brought him to the right place of embracing all of life in Christ. So in dramatic fashion, he wrote to the followers of Christ in that little church of Philippi, this clearest of messages of what it means to live life to its fullest for his master Jesus and enjoy Christ's happiness. Paul described it this way, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He saw all of his life as a blessing and benefit to be able to proclaim Christ, whether it was all the difficulties that he went through or all the successes that he had, whatever types, up or down, it was all for the glory of Christ. For to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. It really doesn't matter how much you can supply. It is God who ultimately brings the increase in our lives in accordance with his perfect will. It is at his pleasure that we are able to do those things and use those talents and exercise our abilities. What you bring or produce in any given situation is enough in his care. When done out of obedience to God and thankfulness for all he has accomplished and provided for you in Jesus Christ, he brings the fullness of our lives to completion. Nothing in our lives is wasted when we are in Christ's care. Your pain is not wasted. Your sorrow is not wasted. Your joy is not wasted. Your struggles are not wasted. Your weakness is not wasted. Your mistakes are not wasted and your successes are not wasted. God uses the whole of our lives in Christ for his honor and glory as he daily strengthens his precious children through the power of the Holy Spirit. Also, this parable is sandwiched between two other parables about the ultimate judgment of God upon all people. This judgment is a reality that will ultimately come upon all people. We are reminded that death does not lead to a final reward for everyone. Eternal life is only for those who know God in Jesus Christ, and this reality is manifested in lives that are lived for his glory, no matter the level of accomplishment or success. When considering the final judgment, there is never any need to worry for those who belong to Jesus because he has covered their sins with his righteousness forevermore. No use of one's talents, no matter how great, can ever add one bit of righteousness to us. It is all in Jesus Christ and ours only by his gracious gift of faith. Everything that we have to use is to be a reflection of that reality of what Christ has done for us. Not to gain anything from God, but to show forth the reality of what God has done in the lives of his people. There is also some teaching here about what it means to be a disciple of Christ. It speaks to the fullness of a disciple's commitment to following and serving one's master in every aspect of your life. 
At the end of the gospel, according to Matthew, we have recorded these well-known words of Jesus about his being, uh, being his disciples. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, we have this. Then Jesus came to the eleven disciples and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so what does he say with this authority and <clears throat> of heaven and earth? He says, therefore, as part of your everyday lives, wherever you are, whatever you are doing, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything. I have commanded to you, and surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So for us today, in your everyday lives, be a disciple of Jesus. And be about making disciples of Jesus. As just a quick note in relationship to this, a reminder of what it means to be a disciple. Four things were presented to me that I've been very helpful in understanding of what it means to be that follower of Christ who is his disciple. There's four components that we could look at. A servant, as we're looking at here today in this particular parable, one whose life is completely in the hands of his master. A steward. A disciple is a steward. One who uses his master's resources for his master's gain. That's what the servants in this particular parable were doing. They were given by the master the things of the master to use for the benefit of the master, not for their own. And the contrast comes where two of the servants saw that as a valuable and good to do and another did not. Also a witness. A disciple is a witness, one who simply tells what they know about something. In this case, what somebody knows about the master. And an equipper is a disciple, as a disciple, is one who helps another along their journey in obedience to the master. In this parable, Jesus is highlighting the servant and steward aspects of being a disciple, to teach about a vital part of a disciple's life in Christ. In a similar manner, relating to being a disciple of Christ, Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God when he responded to the question, what is the greatest commandment? With all authority, Jesus rightly answered, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and mind and soul and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hinge on these two commandments. At the core of living for the kingdom of God is seeking to love God with all of one's heart and all of one's soul and all of one's mind, and then loving our neighbor as himself, while serving him with everything he has given to us. In many ways, it's quite simple, isn't it? That all that we have is for his glory and for the benefit and blessing of others. The first servant valued his master and desired with eagerness to use the talents given to him by his master to improve upon his master's assets. We don't have anything in this text to tell us that this one particular servant was more deserving. But it was what the master chose to give him. The second servant also valued his master. 
and sought with devotion to use the talents given to him by his master, even though they were fewer than those given to the first servant. We might connect this with other aspects of scripture to understand that regardless of the amount that was given by the master to the servant, each servant understood it was to be used and it was beneficial and a blessing regardless of its amount. The third servant did not value his master. He was not interested in furthering the master's assets and saw him not as the loving master who he wanted to please out of love, but instead he did not value serving his master. So he hid the talents given to him and did not use them for the master's blessing and benefit. He simply left them as they were given to him. He saw no need to use what the master had given him for the benefit of the master. And so he hid them. They were of no use, no value. He was not connected to his master in a way that would delight in saying, I'll use what you give to me as I am able and as you strengthen me. Judgment against this third servant is not for the lack of the amount gained, because the first two servants who gained unequally were equally praised. The first servant given five talents, the second servant given two, each gained unequally. One gained uh, two more talents, the other gained five more talents, and they were both praised equally. The problem for the third servant is that he gained nothing because he didn't even try. He didn't see the value in the master. And it's important for me to use what the master has given to me for the master's purpose. He did not value and honor his master enough to serve him by using the talents he was given for the master's benefit. He alone received judgment against him by his master because he valued his own desires and his own purposes above his master's. That's the conflict that you and I face many times on a regular basis in the course of our day. Am I going to use what God has given me for him? Or am I going to hold back for myself? Therein lies much of the conflict. Paul described this very well, that he does the things he does not want to do, and he doesn't do the things that he wants to do. And his whole hope, as recorded for us there in the book of Romans, is that his hope is in Christ. And that's our only hope and able to use the talents God has given to us in the ways that are of his desire. Let's put this parable in contrast to an earlier teaching of Jesus recorded in Matthew 7, verse 17 to 23. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, Jesus said, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Some of us might look at that and go, wow, they're really doing well. 
when we see another person doing those kinds of great things. But Jesus doesn't see it that way. And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. In the parable of the talents, the third servant is judged guilty by the master as an affront to his authority because of his absence of effort to use the talents gifted to him for the master's purposes. He was given talents and he did not use them. But while we look at Matthew 7, those Jesus says are to, to depart from him are to do so because he never knew them. These are people who say they have done many great things in his name and he never denies that they didn't do great things in his name. But he says, I never knew you. They prophesied in his name, cast out demons in his name, and did many mighty works in his name. He describes them, though, as workers of lawlessness because he did not know them. So what really matters when it comes to living as a disciple of Christ? Is it all of these activities that these folks proclaim that they did in the name of Christ? Or the third servant who didn't use the talents God gave to him for God's purpose and just hid them? What matters is being a child of God through his glorious gift of faith. A faith and power of God that moves us to want to live for God in all of life. It is a faith working in us by the almighty power of the Holy Spirit that moves us to see life more and more from God's vantage point. That is our gift from God, that we see what we couldn't see before. We see what our neighbors don't see or understand. We are seeing into the reality of this world in ways that are only possible by God's gift of faith. It is a faith that enables us to believe and trust even when we can't see the fullness of the outcome of our efforts or the purposes and benefits of our circumstances. But by the gift of faith, we start to see what we couldn't understand before of of how this may work out of how a given situation may turn in a way that is truly for God's glory, even though we never thought or saw or contemplated it being that way. It is a God-given faith that enables one to see his amazing hand in our efforts to use what he has given to us to show forth his great love and glory in Jesus Christ. It's a miracle. That God opens our eyes, changes our hearts, quickens our minds beyond what we are capable of doing on our own. As Pastor Troy at my home congregation has rightly said many times, all of us in the body of Christ are needy and all of us are needed. And I think that's an important message within this context of this parable. Because we have the one servant getting five, the other servant getting two, and then the third servant that didn't use them getting one. And the essence of this parable is that your use in God's hands is enough. Regardless of the size, 
quantity and specialness of the talents. You are useful in his hands. The body of Christ has people with all variety of talents. As Jesus described in today's parable, all of us are needed and are needy. No matter how strong one's abilities are or how abundant are one's talents, they are still in need of Jesus and in need of others. And no matter how weak one may think their abilities are or how low their amount of talents, the truth is they are needed by the body. They are useful to God and are as equally in need of Jesus as are those who are stronger in their abilities. We all have a place. Our talents are useful in God's hands because they have been given to us by him for his good purposes. These truths are at the foundation of our life together in the body of Christ. We thrive on the understanding that each of us is needy before God. It lays it out. There's no one who doesn't need to take the Lord's Supper that we're going to have shortly hereafter. It's a wonderful thing when a pastor is able to step from proclaiming the word of God and comes down and then participates in the very thing that we all need. We have a level playing ground where we all are in the same need. When you are in Christ, you have been chosen to be a valued part of the family of God and manifesting his glory to a watching world and also to those in the heavenly realms. If you are in Christ... Through his gift of faith, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus has called you to be salt and light in this world. You bring the taste. You push away the darkness by what you are able to say, what you pray, what you do. You know and have what this world truly needs. The Apostle Paul wrote to the saints in Corinth explaining well the true nature of God's concern and care for the body of Christ and its proper function with all of the talents God has provided to them for his honor and glory. He he said this to them in, in this wonderful letter to that early church gathered in the city of Corinth. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks. That's how the world had been divided before, either Gentiles or Jews. But in Christ, God has brought it all together as one. Slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, that's bizarre, where would be the sense of hearing? We need hearing. If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? 
you are needed and you are needy. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose, as he decided. Where you are in the body of Christ is by God's wonderful and glorious ordination. It's not an accident. You are here with purpose to use the talents that God has blessed you with in ways that are useful and helpful for his glory. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. Which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. The servant that was given five talents can equally function with the servant that is given two talents, both with love and care for the glory of God, without any need of competition or feeling slighted. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. I have a quote up in my office that keep me reminded and grounded. What would happen in a gathering or in a group when it doesn't matter who gets the credit? Imagine that kind of scenario in the body of Christ where all that matters, am I using what God has given me for the glory of God? of his wonderful name, and for the blessing and benefit of my fellow members. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. As part of the body of Christ gathered here in York County, Pennsylvania, it is possible for you to heed the calling of God as described well many years ago by a simple man in England called to be a missionary to India. When he first sought that out, he was deterred, saying if God wanted to save the heathen in India, then he would do it. But William Carey was moved by God and went. And his quote that has inspired many through the years, I think is worthy to hear this morning, that expect great things from God as one of his servants and attempt great things for God as one of his servants. And those great things may be very mundane. They may be world-renowned. But in God's economy, they are useful in both the same ways by the members of the body of Christ. So I ask you, in Christ's care, founded upon his righteousness alone and in the strength of the Holy Spirit, Consider well the talents God has given to you. Please go beyond the superficial. 
Go deep. Are you a listener? Are you a talker? Are you able to do labors with your hands? Or are you you're very good with a computer? Are you someone who loves to write letters? Are you someone who is, can pray for extended periods of time? Do you see the people that get put aside and forgotten? Whatever they are. Not just what the world calls talents, but think from God's perspective the talents that are useful. The gifts of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. These are talents that God has given to be used. Whether great or small, and the place you have been given in the body of Christ. Contemplate how you may be renewed and empowered with joy and hope to see what God is pleased to do with you. It may be a path that you were hesitant to do and and go before. It may be something you think is well beyond your ability. To use everything gifted to you by God for the blessing and benefit of the body of Christ, for the glory of God, and for the furthering of his kingdom, both now and forevermore. If you don't have what you think you need to serve him well, please ask him. Too many times we don't have because we don't ask. Or we ask with the wrong motives. Then, set out in a faith founded upon Jesus' righteousness to use your talents well, sharing in your master's happiness, and see what increase your loving and generous master may bring for your blessing, for the benefit of others, and for his great honor and everlasting glory. You may never know until you try. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for all that you have gathered to be a part of Providence Presbyterian Church here in your county. And I ask, Lord, that you would work deep in their hearts and minds. You would allow them, enable them, and strengthen them to be your faithful disciples. That you would overwhelm them with an understanding of the talents that you have given to them. And that you would work deep in their hearts and direct them in ways that they never maybe contemplated or imagined that you would use them here in your county and beyond for the building up of your church, for the furthering of your kingdom, for the glory that is yours and yours alone. In Jesus Christ I pray.